on episode 72 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Just Culture with David Marks. The day that somebody gets harmed, we always recognize the precursors of that harm were there to be seen if people could only raise their hand and say, I made a mistake. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast, insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Randy Lane. On today's show, we're talking with David Marks. He's the founder of Outcome Ingenuity and pioneer of the Just Culture movement. Just Culture is the idea that humans aren't perfect and they'll perform better and safer if they're encouraged to speak up when they see an issue. Of course, it's much more than that, and that's why we're talking to David. He tells us how Just Culture can make workplaces safer, save organizations money, and improve their reputations. We even talk about using Just Culture in your personal life for better relationships. And now, here's David. Welcome to the podcast, David. Can you kind of give me a rundown of your background and your company, please? Yeah, Randy, uh, the, the company's name is Outcome Ingenuity, and we're based in uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. Background-wise, uh, actually, I started my career as a Boeing aircraft design engineer, a bit of a systems engineer, and that's ultimately where I gained my interest in the field of human factors and became a bit of a human factors engineer, which was really how do humans you know, interact and how they become components of the system, so to speak, to deliver safe air travel. I went to law school at night and uh, became a lawyer. So a lot of what we have done in, in our workplace and trying to help our clients manage human error has been through a, a bit of an integration of systems engineering, a bit of psychology and human factors, and a bit of uh, legal concepts, which uh, led us into the notions of uh, just culture and a little bit of different idea around uh, what a good workplace culture is to produce good results. So, but our firm is in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we, uh, we, we work in healthcare, generally high consequence industries, aviation, nuclear power, places where if humans make mistakes, it comes generally at a pretty dire consequence. Yeah. So how does your company work with other companies? How do you interface with them and how does that system work? Our clients certainly come to us. We are sort of inventors. We're a a bit of a boutique firm. We do things that other people don't do so well. So, you know, whether it's the, the unique risk modeling tools that we have, whether it's, you know, how we, we teach event investigation and root cause analysis or the just culture piece of it, it, it's clients come to us. But what we do is we help them as an institution try to build good systems around their employees. And that's sort of the systems engineering design side. And secondly, we help them learn how to manage the culture so that you minimize variation, so that you so you maximize the potential of the human beings in the system. So uh, clients will come to us. We produce products, we have software products that we produce along the way from RCA to risk modeling to just culture tools. But the uh, we're also in the process of advising the client on what processes and procedures they need in place to, to produce better results. You came highly recommended from another podcast guest of ours, Sandy Coletta, and I guess she used your guys' Just Culture system inside of one of the hospitals she was the president of, and she just had rave reviews about it and said we should definitely do something about Just Culture because it's not something that a lot of people know about. So let's kind of deep dive into Just Culture and what it is. You know, the issue is, you know, I, I often say when I present, not not everyone's a gymnast, not everybody's an, you know, an astronaut, but everyone's a judge. And mm -hmm. just culture is about how we stand in judgment of one another, uh, whether it's societally or whether it's inside a workplace. And then it becomes sort of this workplace accountability. 
But where, where Sandy Coletta was at Care uh, in New England was how does she create a culture that minimizes harm to patients? And ultimately, part of that is holding individuals, physicians, nurses, pharmacists, uh, dietitians accountable in a way that best, that best serves the needs of the patient and that is, that is frankly most just to the individual employees. What Just Culture has its origins in is, is to some extent a path that society's been taken over the last couple hundred years. You know, back two, three, four hundred years ago, you know, mistakes just sort of happened. That was part of life. And, you know, we humans had bigger issues like, you know, finding access to water and sort of, you know, basic things. But through the Industrial Revolution, we humans got better and better. And we saw our life expectancy jump by 20 years. And all of a sudden, we're getting really good at what we're doing. And the margins for what we accept of each other started to narrow and narrow until, you know, we we crept into this place that we call criminal negligence. You've probably heard the term, but what it really is is criminal human error. So now we have a pharmacist who makes a mistake. A good one, a good example of Eric Kropp in Cleveland, Ohio, made a mistake on a young child, Emily Jerry, took the life of that child. But we prosecuted Eric Kropp. We put him in jail for six months. He was under house arrest for six months. To some extent, what we've done across particularly high-consequence industries, whether it is a pilot, whether it is a, a nurse, or even, frankly, even now the, the, the difficult one to talk about is even police forces. Is mm-hmm. If you make a mistake, how do we hold you accountable? And like I said, everybody's a judge. So everybody looks in and says, well, how could that pharmacist have done that? And, and what it creates is, is, and a lot of physicians have even sort of testified before Congress around is, is we've created what was a really a punitive culture. The, the bottom line for us as citizens is that, you know, we, we have a healthcare system that today is the third leading cause of death in the U.S. after, after heart disease and, um, and cancer. Yeah, some estimates are as high as 440,000 lives a year. And, and you'd say, well, that, that's terrible. We don't, we don't want a healthcare system that has that sort of tangential result. So what we want is we just hope as patients that, well, we hope you're learning from this stuff and that you're getting better and better. But we have a culture where if you make a mistake, you hide the mistake. And so we have a culture that actually is not really set up to learn. In part, is it's a punitive culture. So, you know, the day that somebody gets harmed, we always recognize the precursors of that harm were there to be seen if people could only raise their hand and say, I made a mistake or I drifted into a risky choice not recognizing it was risky until it was too late. So what Just Culture tries to do is Just Culture tries to say, let's go back in time a bit and reevaluate what expectations we have of human beings. To some extent, today's expectation is perfection. And, and to give you an example, of that, in, for a pilot in the U.S., we have a, we have a rule, it says careless or reckless operation in airplane, not to get too legal, but essentially says if you make a mistake when you fly the airplane that endangers life or property of another, a pure human error, something you never intended to do, you have committed a, an offense, the DFA can pull your certificate, it can fine you, it can end your career, and if you happen to be above the spice of Florida, it's a class three felony. So we essentially have created this game of cat and mouse where we create an expectation of perfection and then human beings will report only what they cannot hide. So just culture is about building a culture that says, look, we, we get that no matter what endeavor you work in as a human being, you're an inescapably fallible human being. Not only are you inescapably fallible, but you have this propensity to drift. And that propensity to drift is, you know, those of us that don't turn on our turn signal to signal a lane change because we, we don't really think anybody's around us or mm-hmm. we don't walk around the back end of our car before we get in our car, you know, even though there could be a child behind the car. 
So we start drifting into risky choices with no, you know, malice, no, no bad intention. It just sort of happens to us. And just culture is how do we create a culture where we learn in the right way and we hold people accountable in the right way that actually gets us the, the better result. And that's, that's what Sandy at uh, Kent Hospital and Karen Lingle was attempting uh, and trying to do. I really love this concept because it kind of dovetails with a concept that I found very central to my life, something we teach here at 360 Solutions, which is the fundamental attribution error. So meaning that we want to judge people on how we view them, but we want people to judge us on our intent. And so being able to try and yes. look past and see what the intent of the person is and not jump too quickly to a conclusion about what their intent is as well. Yeah, that's actually, that's very, that's very good. Because when I, when I make a mistake, I'll point to every external factor. Even if I make a risky choice, I'll point to all the factors externally that cause that. So if I'm late to a meeting, I'll say, well, you know, I got caught in traffic mm-hmm. or I'll have all my reasons. But when, when we look at other people's conduct, we tend to cast them in dispositions. So we say, well, Bob, Bob's that kind of guy. He's always late to meeting. That fundamental attribution error gets in our way because rather than try to figure out, uh, you know, why did Bob show up late? Or in this case, why did a nurse grab the wrong medication out of the dispensing system? We, we tend to look at the person, see it as some defect in the person, uh, some dispositional quality that caused them to make mistakes rather than let's go look at why it happened. And you're right, the fundamental attribution error is sort of central to the problem we have in really learning from other people's mistakes. We, we think we learn from our own. But learning from other people's mistakes is a pretty difficult thing to do. Yeah. And then also the concept of ownership, like owning your mistake and, and just realizing and seeing the full gravity of your mistake and owning up and fessing up and being vulnerable in that way. It's uncomfortable for people to do, but it's so necessary to keep those relationships intact and to make sure we have a good, safe environment, right? Yeah. And that's why people will say this is a two, three or four year journey. Actually, I, I was just working with a client who said, uh, and this actually was the, the head of one of the labor unions. He said, we spent 30 years getting our culture to where it is today. You know, we'll gladly spend three years trying to get back to where it needs to be. And, and, but these, these things are hard, you know, they're hard to, they're hard to fix because we're ingrained in this response that, you know, when something bad happens, we got to hide it. And how do we, how do we really create a culture where we can recognize that we're fallible? And then even if I see somebody, like if I saw you, Randy, going into a risky spot, being able to call you on it and say, hey, what you're doing is risky and have you not see it as an affront to you and, and that, that we have a mutually sort of beneficial conversation and get to a better place. To build that kind of culture takes some time. And even if you look at healthcare, physicians, coaching physicians, turning and having that kind of conversation has historically not been part of the culture. It's sort of you do your work, I'll do my work. And it's sort of every person for themselves. And how do you really create a culture where we work together as a team and that there's a lot of work done being done in healthcare and, and aviation, obviously been doing it for a long time on sort of team coordination, crew resource management. But how do we really, really work together as a team, giving some understanding as to really who we are? The cool part about the, both aviation and healthcare in the States, just culture is, is to some extent mandatory. It's part of the safety management systems now. So the, the work we've been doing for the last 25 years, it's gotten to now become a bit of the expectation, at least in the high consequence industries. The, the Joint Commission, the Predator, it's part of their sort of safety culture expectations. So we're making headway, but it's going up against a society that a broader society that perhaps is getting more angry, getting more punitive. You're swimming against the tide of we just need each other to be perfect humans. And 
that's what just culture as a movement is uh, trying to react to and be a little bit more rational about what we can expect of each other. I was trying to read a little bit on your website about how just culture works. And one thing that struck me was the different types of errors. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, the, the, the very core of the model is is there's three, what we call three manageable sort of behaviors. One human error. It's the things I never really intend to do. It's you sort of inadvertently running a red light or grabbing the wrong switch or you know, it, it's just that behavior where it's like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. That's the human error. The second one is at-risk behavior. At-risk behavior is all those things that we do that are choices. We do them routinely, but we don't think they're risky. So this is, uh, if you think in the driving, this may not be, you know, this may be not signaling a lane change. It could be, you know, it could be in some circumstances, texting and driving. It, it's distractions we allow into the car. But it's all those things we do just out of habit that are, that are perhaps risky, but we just don't see it as being risky. The third one, and the most legal of the set, is is what we call recklessness. Uh, and recklessness is, I saw it as risky, but I chose to do it anyway. And this is like the drunk driving would be the quintessential example. And what, what, we, what we say in the model is differentiate the type of behavior that you see. And to some extent, as a society, if there's not been a bad outcome, if there's not been a bad outcome, we're pretty good at this. We, we, we can see another person make a mistake. We can say, it, that's okay, you made a mistake. That risk behavior, we struggle with. It's a rule violation. But the reckless, that's where we as humans tend to judge each other and say, hey, look, how you can't. There'll be some social condemnation for something like drinking and driving. What we, what we say in the model is, is sort of console or accept the air. You got to live with the fact that I'm inescapably fallible. We can work the rate, but we got to somehow live with that fallibility. That risk behavior we coach, and then we sanction the reckless. What what has happened when I said this sort of criminalization, negligent behavior is we sort of through our legal systems and through our HR systems cast a net to find sort of the evil doer. That when we cast that net, it just picked them all up. So if if we read an, an HR policy, and just virtually every organization we go to before they do just culture, it it, it will technically say in the policy, punish the air, punish the at risk, punish the reckless. And so we essentially say, look, we're going to create an HR policy that protects the organization, but we didn't really write it for the employees. We, we wrote to protect us. So if we ever need to whack an employee, boy, we got it in our policy. And then what we do is we take that policy, we just set it on the shelf. We say, well, if anything bad happens, and this becomes uh, another one of our biases, right, right alongside the fundamental attribution there, is a severity bias. We human beings turn a blind eye until somebody gets hurt. My, my wife says, because I have four boys and a girl, and she'd say it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, that issue, it's an issue we turn our blind eye. And what just culture is about is if we really want to create good outcomes, we have to set the outcome aside. Mothers Against Drunk Drivers had this right. It's not mothers for drunk drivers unless they hit somebody, or it's not mothers against drunk drivers who kill. It's, it's literally mothers against drunk driving. One of the things that just culture tries to say is, look, we're going to have bad outcomes in life. And the issue, if we want to prevent them, it's the conduct we have on the front end that we got to look at. It's the system we designed around our employees, and it's the conduct, the choices they make in the system. So really set the outcome aside. If, if, if a drunk driver didn't kill anybody, that's not the issue. It's the, it's the decision to drive drunk. That's the issue. And so inside healthcare, as an example, if you look at where we have used sanction, where we have disciplined an employee because we thought they represented a risk, it's generally tied to some bad outcome. If we don't have the bad outcome, we're back at no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. And so there's two big risks there. There's 
one, we require perfection of you, but we only require it after the harm has occurred. And to some extent, even in the in the physician space, there's been this issue sort of a ta- of autonomy, and that is every nobody wants to be told what to do. So if I haven't hurt anybody, you do what you want, I'll do what I want. Mm-hmm. And high reliability and high performance is no, actually, we need you to do it this way, even though you haven't had a bad outcome. If we're going to prevent bad outcomes, here's how you got to do it. I was also thinking of and, situations like recently with Wells Fargo issuing these bad loans or, or fudging the paperwork. They were looking at the bottom line of the company and not thinking about the consequences of their actions. The company was saying, oh, we're making more money, so it must be okay. And then only when they ran into the consequences did they say, this is a behavior we can't tolerate. You know, every organization has production goals, whether, you, whether you're an airline, you know, and it's on time you know, departures, whether you're a hospital, it's how many people you can move through the hospital or a bank, how many people you can sign up with new accounts. Everybody has production goals and, and every employee gets caught between the production goal and the values that we hold. And that value may be personal safety. It could be safety of a patient. It could be privacy of the patient. And so you're right. At Wells Fargo, you get employees who, who probably intellectually knew this isn't really the right thing to be doing. But they're caught between, you know, their production goals and being incentivized in the system right. to go do this. What they intellectually know is not the right thing to do. And that's us human beings. We get caught in that middle. And part of just culture is to expose the incentives in a way that we can actually shape and influence human behavior in a way that actually gets us to the gets us to the good result. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by 360 Solutions. Are you ready to work for yourself as a business consultant? 360 Solutions can give you everything you need to start, build, and run your own practice. In our 20 years in business, we've helped hundreds of people just like you live a fulfilling life developing organizations and leaders in your area. Visit 360 Solutions to learn more or come to one of our high-performance organization workshops. We're hosting them in Austin, Texas and Yosemite National Park this November. Find out more at 360hpworkshops.com. That's 360hpworkshops.com. There are so many situations now that I'm thinking about it through that lens recently that have been in the news, like the Volkswagen issue with the emission standards, Uber and the kind of culture they had in their workplace. And because things were going well, it was okay. And when things started showing that they weren't going well, then they had issues. They weren't looking at the root cause yeah. before they had a, a penalty or a problem, right? That's right. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because it's interesting when, when actually you know, the press actually has this happen, you know, where we don't double check a story and we report on a story and, and find it, we find out it's false or something. And, and every news agency seems to, to go through this, you know, or a person really wasn't on the scene, it, you know, but reported that they're on the scene. So it, it's interesting because when bad events do occur, the press surrounds the hospital or the airline says, OK, what are you going to do? Who's going to be fired? But it's interesting because the press has exactly the same issue. They have they, they, they'll make mistakes. Mm-hmm. They'll engage in risky behaviors, not like not double checking. And they'll even do the reckless thing. They'll, they'll say from the scene, I'm not really on the scene. But all the same behaviors apply. It's in every institution, whether it's a high consequence one or just sort of a news agency. They, they both face that same issue. So if I'm in an organization or a leader of an organization and I'm not sure if I have a just culture or not, what are some of the symptoms of a organization that is having issues with this 
just culture idea? Yeah, well, one is, is, is a comfort level on the part of employees that they can report when they've made a mistake. I mean, ultimately, that's a piece of it. Can people raise their hand and say they made a mistake? Do we have a good peer-to-peer coaching? Do we learn? If you go back into a, a, a safety reporting system or, any, you know, for, for whatever value is important to the institution, if we go back and look, do we get behind the error? Why did the error occur? Uh, why did a person drift into a risky choice? I mean, ultimately, organizations have to decide what level of uh, sort of untoward, undesirable outcomes they want to have along the way. So uh, you can be very highly reliable today and just say, how do we take it to the next level? One of the things we have in healthcare is, is if, you, if I do surgery on you, there's some risk that I leave an instrument behind or a sponge. And it happens about once out of every 15 to 20,000 surgeries. And, and so how do, we re- how do we really create the culture to change that number? And we... We set out to say, well, let's not let's move from one to fifteen thousand to one to a million. If we're going to get to that one in a million space, we need to be very sensitive to minor variations, things that pop up. We need that good open learning culture, the reporting culture, because we need to be able to see in before we have the event. Because at this hospital, we're trying to change it from you know once a year to once every fifty years. And, and so, for every organization, whether it's everyday events that that occur, like ground damage on an airplane, you know, a, a person on the ground. You know, poking a hole inside the airplane because they they hit it with the the belt loader, or things that are very rare, like a retained foreign body after surgery. Every institution asks about how good do we want to be and what does it take to sort of raise that bar. And clearly, what we know across industries is developing that learning culture where when events occur or even near misses occur, that we can learn from the near miss. So, do we have that learning culture? And does that learning culture ultimately get back to redesigning of systems, working the choices issue? How do we help employees day in and day out make good choices? So, I think the place you look is really quite simply is can people raise their hands and have made a mistake? And what happens when that occurs gives you a sense of whether you're on the path to a just culture. So, I feel like you're saying if I'm just an individual and I want to embody just culture principles, some of the things I should be doing is taking ownership for my actions, being willing to say when I've made a mistake and be honest with it and own it. And then also to see that in other people. So if, if they make a mistake to not look at it like they're a terrible person, but maybe they just made a human error. And then the third thing I would think is that you need to always be learning and to recognize that you don't know everything and that it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. And you know what? I've, I've presented at conferences or even training inside an institution where at the end of the day, you know, I, I remember a lady came up to me. She says, Dave, I know this works because this is how I raised my two daughters. Mm-hmm. And, and you think about the lessons that you just described aren't corporate lessons. They're right. really how are we going to interact with the fact that our children are inescapably fallible? Our friends and family are inescapably fallible. So how do we create a culture where you know, together we're moving in the right direction? We sort of honor to some extent, you know, who we are as individuals in ultimately understanding the failings that are, we inescapably have, that fallibility that we have. I'm dealing with this right now with my, uh, my son, who's nine years old, and the idea of ownership as a step towards, you know, something went wrong. We recognize and identify it. We take ownership of it. If it's our fault, we ask for forgiveness and then we move on past that. And it's the ownership and recognizing the issue step that he just wants to gloss over and go from dad's upset because I did something wrong. I want to move on to we're all better now, but not look at it and say, who's at fault? Can we learn anything? Can we become better? And that I'm not mad at you because this happened, but we have to identify that it did happen so we can move on. Yeah. 
and those things that we strive to be as parents, you know, and I think it's easy for us to see aspirationally where we should be. We, we've probably all met sort of the very punitive parent where, mm-hmm. you know, out of the baseball game, you know, the son makes a mistake pitching and the, you know, parents are screaming at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other end of the spectrum of like no accountability. So the, the children are just free for all, you know, and, and it's like those parents aren't holding their children accountable for you know, what they need to do. And then there's that middle ground that every parent seeks to find, like, what's the right spot. And all that same thinking applies strangely in the workplace as well, because we're just talking about how we're now we relate to each other in that way. How do we mentor each other? How do we ultimately become a high performing group? And it's those same lessons. And this actually, you know, we're, we're taking Just Culture. Um, we're actually working with Medical University of South Carolina, but we're taking it into schools, into uh, graduate education to where, you know, our goal is, you know, if you're an MBA, you get a course on marketing, you get a course on, uh, on accounting, but we want you to have a course on workplace accountability because mm-hmm. no, people aren't really, they're not really trained on how to do this. So, if you're in the master's of health program at MUSC in South Carolina, you go through a course on workplace accountability and you're learning just culture. And so we're trying to teach future leaders, get them centered, you know, on the right path so that when they get out into the workplace, that they have some logical path to walk this through. Because as you know, as a parent, it's we just don't really have the language set. And the human are at risk and reckless, really, that language set applies equally is, you know, works for us as parents as it does works working for us as managers. We do a lot of work with our organizations around emotional intelligence and trust, and that seems also core to this, that if you don't have that ability to open up to other people, then they're not going to have that ability to then instill trust in you or vice versa. Yeah, that's the criminal system and the sort of the external systems, the regulators have created an environment where it's hard to have that trust. Because if you stick your head out of the foxhole, you know, it's going to get cut off. And in some sense, even the media creates it. So it's one of those those things. It's like, how do we create a trusting environment? And part of just culture is is not just saying, okay, we'll let you know when we see it. You know, feel free to raise your hand. We'll let you know. But making a commitment. This is what Sandy Coletta did when she was the president of Kent Hospital. She went out to her employees and said, look, here's how you're going to be treated. And that that meant that if it's a human error, here's what's going to happen. If you're reckless, you know, sort of we're coming after you kind of thing. But she could lay it out on the front end so that everybody could to some extent trust how they'll be treated and hold their leaders accountable to following the tenets of a just culture as opposed to you know we'll see it because even 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 us as citizens you you know we may have run the red light with the tree sort of partially hanging in front of the stop sign but none of us want to go pull over the police officer and let them know what we did you know there's too much uncertainty to that and what we what we need to create is some level of uncertainty and like to the point of the parroting is Certainty when that child raises his hand, your nine-year-old raises his hand, he has some sense of how dad's going to react and knows how he could judge his own sort of behavior. Part of that trust is is having some certainty about what the response will be. So if I'm listening today, I'm a leader in an organization and I recognize that I have issues with all of these problems around just culture, how would you have me take practical steps to kind of go towards a better workplace environment? To become pervasive now just culture is a lot of people are doing it in high consequence industries so i mean obviously you know people could come talk to us about how to do it we we wrote a couple of books around it you know whack-a-mole the subtitles the price of paper expecting perfection and we just wrote one about workplace accountability dave subs a, a novel story about workplace accountability but there are tools out there to use that will help a manager sort of walk through a process in a little bit more structured way 
there's a lot out there on the internet in terms of learning about just culture, uh, just what it is. But obviously, we will help organizations in that way. And even talking to people like Sandy Coletta and people who have been doing this in high consequence industries like aviation or healthcare have a pretty good sense of what just culture is. It goes by different names. There's psychological safety. You know, do you feel safe coming forward? That's the that's sort of the result of just culture. If you have a just culture, that you have psychological safety that people can come forward. There's also this issue just purely of workplace accountability. You know, the VA passed a, 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 an accountability act around the VA. It's like, how do we hold employees accountable? And their issue wasn't the air. Their issue was, how do we get rid of employees that are not being productive, that really shouldn't be there, but the bureaucracy keeps us from taking action. So there are a lot of words around this. And, and so I think the just culture piece is you just got to sort of Google just culture or just uh, give us a call. And we can we can uh, point you in the direction you need to go. Excellent. So if people want to find you, how would they go about doing that? Maybe online or? Yeah, our, our website, www.outcome-eng.com. It's short for Outcome Ingenuity. Or they can just email me directly. It's dmarx, D-M-A-R-X, at outcome-eng.com. And uh, we'd be glad to uh, chat with them. Excellent. And you also mentioned some books. Can you mention those again so people want to write those down? Yeah. So the first one we wrote was called, actually called Whack-A-Mole. It's sort of like playing the game Whack-A-Mole. Whack-A-Mole in the subtitle is The Price You Pay for Respecting Perfection. It's a little bit more of a, a Malcolm Gladwell-ish book, like Commentary on Society. The oh, second book was called Dave Subs. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're fun book, books. So I, I, yeah, I always love to read Malcolm's work. The, the second one is uh, called Dave Subs. It's about a sub shop in New Jersey, about a manager sort of walking through how to think about employee accountability after he has a big event. Uh, the subtitle is a novel story about workplace accountability. Uh, written as a novel, but it's a business book. It's about how do you think through what accountability looks like in an organization. So it's called Dave Subs, a, a novel story about workplace accountability. Both of them are available on Amazon, uh, so they're they're easy to get to. They're easy reads. And Dave Subs, I think, if you're interested in just culture, sort of the sort of just how to do it, Dave Subs is a is a pretty good start. Excellent. I will link all of that in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for coming on today. I've really learned a lot, and I hope. My listeners have as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast and shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.